Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a, vi a vision for you big book study. My name is Jen A. I'm living here in Colorado and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, February 13, 2024. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter titled Bill's Story. We're on page three and we're on the first paragraph. It begins with, for the next few years, um, through one paragraph, ending with, I made a host of fair-weather friends. Today's readers, Team Tuesday, we have Tony B., Judy O., Crystal R., Rena L., Ramona A., Maria H., and Christine G. The reference numbers for yesterday, Monday, February 12th, 2024, are the following. For 7 a.m., the Eastern Standard Big Book Study recording is 21,124. That's 21124. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Big Book Study recording is 21,125. That's one, or sorry, excuse me, that's 21125. So 21,125. Here's the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members, and we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no positions on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose here. OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So, I will now ask Tony B. to read the 12 steps. Thank you. Good morning, friends. Tony B., compulsive overeater, recovering in Scotland. Sorry, recovered in Scotland. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message 
to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you so much. I will now ask Jody O to read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Judy O from New Jersey, a recovering compulsive overeater. One, our commonwealth special comfort, personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are the trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop overeating. Or each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such will never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name will never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be a service. Thank you so much. Sorry about that. Judy O. from New Jersey. And thank you, Tony B. as well. Well, this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing. And that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, for readers is six months, and there is no abstinence requirement for sharing on the topic. The meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, you'll press star one to unmute your phone. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. So today we resume our study of the chapter, um, in the chapter on Phil's story. And we're in the big book on page 3, reading that first paragraph and commenting on that only. I will now ask Crystal R. to begin reading. Good morning, this is Crystal R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. For the next few years, fortune threw money and applause my way. I had arrived. My judgment and ideas were followed by many to the tune of paper millions. The great boom of the late 20s was seething and swelling. 
drink was taking an important and exhilarating part in my life. There was loud talk in the jazz places uptown. Everyone spent in thousands and chattered in millions. Scoffers could scoff and be damned. I had made a host of fair-weather friends. I can so relate to this paragraph. For me, I came into program early. It reminds me of when, after I left university and started, uh, I got out into the working world. Um, that was when this really happened for me. You know, uh, life threw money and applause my way. I got a really good job um, out of university. I, I received many awards um, as part of being in that job. I received a lot of praise. I was usually the the best, you know, the the best employee on the team, or at least I was told so. Um, I I would advise. I would, you know, at at the age of I don't know, early thirty or, or late twenties, early thirties, I was advising senior executives of companies on what they should do uh, with their with their teams. I moved out of my parents' place into a very nice condo, a two bedroom condo. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a closet full of really pretty expensive plus size dresses. Uh, I, I went on expensive trips with my friends. I had, you know, lots of, I, I could, um, I, I thought I was doing really, really well. And food, I, to say food was a big part of it, um, that's how I saw it. It was just like, yeah, great part of it. I needed to relax. I, I deserve it. After everything, you know, that I do in the day, I deserve it. And so, like I would, uh, food was part of all of my celebrations and and even working life, and that's why I came into program with this delusion that 95% of my life was just going great. If we could just fix the 5%, which was my weight, I didn't even think it was the food. I didn't think the food was the problem. I just thought, you know, if we could just fix my weight, the 5%, then my 100% of my life would be amazing. But what I didn't see was that the reality was that I was binging every day. I couldn't breathe without fast food. I'd be going up to drive throughs every single day, pretending to, to order for a family of four when it was just for me. I was not a good employee. I was not reliable. I would show up at work at like 11 a.m. I'd submit things when I thought it was good to submit them. I would do other people's work for them. I was mean to them. Uh, I basically did what I want. My manager had no idea if I was going to do what she wanted me to do or what I wanted to do. But they just all put up with me because sometimes my end product was really good. You know, I didn't, all these friends and trips that I had, I didn't show up for them. Like they were all, all of my family and friends were, were sitting and watching me, feeling worried and guilty all the time because they felt like they were watching me die. I was at 30 years old. I was in the ER multiple times because I had such, my weight had caused such a severe anemia in me. And doctors were looking at me like, you're not going to make it past your 30s. We don't know what to do with you. So I think what this paragraph shows me is just the powerful delusion that food can create that that was the first thing that needed to be smashed for me to realize my life is not okay. It actually took um, a few weeks of putting the food down and going to meetings and listening to people that realize, oh my gosh, I actually think about 95% of my life is a mess with a tiny percent kind of going okay. And that was the first delusion that needed to be smashed before I could really say, oh my gosh, there's a real problem here. And then open my eyes to what that problem was. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, Crystal R. Appreciate the opening this morning and your experience. We do value everyone's experience that's here on the line with us today. 
So we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. If you'd like to share on what was read today, please give me your first name, first initial of your last name, and your state and time zone when you get up to pitch. Go right ahead. Katie Bonnie G. Joanne from Boston. Vermont. Christina Katie J. G. Joanne. Reva P. Christina. Bonnie D. Reva. Bonnie. Did I miss anybody? Let me tell you who I have. I have Katie G, Joanne. I'll capture your last initial when you get up. Uh, Christina J, Reva P, and Bonnie B. Anyone else want to hop in? All right, well, let's get started. But first, we have Katie G from Boston. Go right ahead, Katie. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, and I am recovered in Boston, Mass. And I had so many thoughts about arriving. You know, what does it mean to be arrived? It means that I reach my final destination. And the thing is, for me, you know, all those final destinations were 100% false. You know, um, when I was emaciated down to um, 110 pounds in, um, right before college, um, you know, people asked me how I got that thin. And, you know, I was like, oh, you're just jealous of me, right? Like my mom said, oh, you have the body every woman in America dreams of. And I was like, yep, absolutely. And then I got into college and I graduated 100 pounds heavier. And I had a job and I had a car and I had a, a girlfriend and I had an apartment. And uh, I remember getting in my car and being like, yep, I've arrived, listening to um, the radio and driving around and feeling so mature. And again, everything that I thought was a sign that I mattered, that I meant something, was 100% false because I thought, you know, all these external things are going to take away that internal um, craziness. When I went to college, I changed my name from Katie to Kat. I mean, I was constantly looking for signs outside of myself that I was okay and my life was falling apart. Even within the rooms, I thought, okay, I have 90 days of abstinence. I have arrived. Okay, I'm recovered. I have arrived. And so for me, you know, it's important to remember, yes, this was all, all the falseness was generated um, by my using, but also the, the main problem of my disease, again, is in my mind. And it's this mind that tells me that if I have all these external things, I'm going to be okay. It's the reason why a couple years ago, I found myself face down in anorexia, like I, I was eating, but 17 pounds underweight because I was still striving for something externally to make me feel okay, to make me feel good enough. And so it's so important for me to remember that this disease is in my mind and that I can get into delusion anytime I'm not connected with God. And I love what they said about fair weather friends. Like, yeah, me too. I had all the bulimics around me. We would go to two yoga classes a day and, um, and I would show up and I would expect them to be real friends. And yet our connection was based, again, on external things. And today, what a miracle to live in recovery today, to be a recovered woman and to know how to show up for friends and to know how to speak the language of the heart. Because we are here to talk about, you know, this disease, but we are also here to talk about 
what a miracle it is to live in recovery. I have compulsive eating, but for today, I will not die, right, from compulsive eating, anorexia, and bulimia. What a miracle to have God, and with that, I pass. Perfect timing, Katie. Thanks so much. All right, up next, we have Joanne. Joanne, if you'll give me the first initial of your last name and where you're calling from. Good morning, Joanne B, like boy. Um, I'm from Vermont, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Yeah, I really related to this uh, passage as well and to what Katie just talked about in the speaker. Um, You know, when I came into these rooms, which wasn't that long ago, it was about a year and a half ago, I had it all. Like, um, on the face of it, I had everything I ever wanted. Like, I had a wonderful marriage, second marriage to my soulmate. I'd gone back to school, got a master's. I became a teacher. I, I found my dream job. I had, we built a beautiful home. And at the same time, I was struggling. Um, I was eating. And I couldn't stop. And um, so all those things um, on the outside that I thought would solve my problem, my, my, you know, my spiritual, what I didn't know at the time, but my spiritual, like, whole, were not solving my problem um, because I was still unhappy. Like, how could I be still unhappy? And I was so mired in my character defects. And, you know, looking outside of myself and trying to figure out, you know, what does that person think of me? Am I doing a good job? Um, and then just on top of it all, just like losing the weight, gaining the weight, losing the weight, gaining the weight. I was gaining the weight again, and the binging was getting worse. Um, so none of that stuff solved the problem. The only thing that really has given me peace is um, coming into this program and like just admitting that I'm completely powerless over certain foods. I can't, I can't eat them. And I'm really grateful that I was able to become abstinent right away. Um, and I'm continuing to work the program um, every day. I try and do it the best way I can. And I'm working on myself. I'm turning over those character defects. I'm asking for help and um, creating a you know relationship with my higher power. And it's working. I, I'm free. I feel like free from all that chatter in my head, um, free of like the approval-seeking, people-pleasing. I know that I'm okay in God's eyes. And I'm actually able to show up for my job, I'm able to show up for my family, my husband, my kids. Um, It's a wonderful program. So that's all I have for today. Everyone have a good day. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joanne B. from Vermont. Up next, we have Christina J. Good morning, Christina. Morning, Jen. Morning, everyone. Christina J. uh, in North Carolina these days. And um, Boy, I just have just been chomping at the bit to share for the last couple of days. Um, I have walked this path with Bill. I have walked this path as a young woman. And as an older woman, I had walked that path and lost so many things, sacrificing all 
for a career that was going to bring me uh, everything I wanted as a child. And I wrapped myself from core to bone, from core to skin, I mean, in the pursuit of this thing. And um, what a beautiful story about Bill. I mean, really, he's a young man. He's chasing it, and he starts to get it, right? And we all start to get it. I started to get it. But I found over the years that no matter how much I pursued it and I got various levels of it, it was never enough, never enough, because God wasn't in the center of it. I think God was on the outskirts going, go, girl, go, girl, because I'm going to I'm going to put a hook, line and sinker down into the into your core and I'm going to pull you out of your BS at some point. And he did. He pulled me up and out and I fought. And there's still a part of me that's fighting um, because I was so mired in my pursuit. And um, today, I am having to accept. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems. The good thing is that I can see these things because I'm not lost in the food. The food is like this by gigantic cover-up. It's like I'm in a trash can with a lid on it. <laughs> and there's a little hole in the side and I have a little arm that goes out and there's another little hole and I just keep shoving food into myself and I stay in the trash can in the crap until I lift until God lifts the lid, airs it out, shows me that he wants me for his service, not for the service of my ego, not for the service of validation, not for the service of all those things I needed as a young woman. I thought I needed them. And so did Bill. And in that way, I can forgive myself. There was, for me, there was nothing wrong with what Bill did. And the disease finally took him to God and to his real service in life. And that's what I expect is happening for me right now. As I'm, you know, God's got me bound down in a job I don't like and all this stuff, you know. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems. And I'm just trusting and walking as some of the great sages and saints and um, have done in, in their lifetimes, they've had to chop wood and carry water with no glory, honey, no glory. Because glory is for my ego. If I can do things silently for others that are suffering, that's where the real work is for me. And I want to cry saying this because, you know, it's a hard thing to let go of all dreams and to surrender to God and to realize that you really have compassion for other people. And not just sitting around wallowing in my own self-pity that I didn't get this and that and the other thing. And what brought me to the food was that self-pity. She's getting more than I am. They're reaching stardom faster than me. Blah, 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 blah. What's wrong with me? You know, and now I get to surrender all that. And I get to walk with you guys. And I get to walk with something bigger than myself inside of my heart that has got me hooked fully. Time, please. And I can't fight to get off that line. Nothing. I can't fight. No matter what I do, God has got me. So anyway, love you all. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Love you too, Christina J. from North Carolina. Wow. Reva P., you're up next. Good morning, Reva. Good morning, Jen. Uh, good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. This paragraph, this line, I had arrived, always, always touches my heart. And for me, this paragraph represents a type of like crescendo, like this is the pinnacle. You know, it's happy, exhilarating, 
seething, hot, exciting drinking. And we know, you know, after this is going to come the fall, but he's on the top here. Um, and for me, this is a no God paragraph. There's no God here. Um, this is I, 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 the tornado, the self-will run riot where I ram my way through life um, using food as my crutch, my prop. I don't know that it was so exciting for me, but it, it like was my drug to get me there. It was always about arriving. It was always about the outcomes, the goals, because the lie and the belief is when I get there, I will be okay. There was no God. I was trying to fill that hole with achievements, um, externals. Um, yeah, and this arriving. And, you know, I'm hearing everybody share about how it was before program, but I have to be careful that there's no arriving in program. When I lose the weight, when my weight is stable, when I finish the steps, I will be there. When I get to say recovered, you know, there is no there. This is a constant unfolding, growing. Um, and I actually don't like that, you know, like it's so much easier to make the goal, achieve it. Um, and if that would fill me, and if that worked, I would have never gotten here because um, it just was empty. It was superficial. Um, no matter how much I got, as people shared, it was never enough. Um, yeah, I can't fill an internal um, disease with an external, like it's an internal job. Um, so I have to be careful to remember there is no arriving. Um, yeah, it's constant growing and constantly aligning my will with God's. And I achieved before I came into OA, and it was nothing like, I can't even call it achievement. Um, after program, going back to school, it was just like a calling. It was just like God was calling me places. And it was like riding the wave. Um, there's nothing, nothing like it. Um, so I have to be careful you know, take God with me and watch that I don't let go of God's hands because um, there is no arriving with that I pass. Well, thank you so much, Reva P. Up next, we have Bonnie B. Good morning, Bonnie. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, everyone. Um, blessed to be here. Bonnie B., um, gratefully living in recovery today and located in the state of Florida. The shares have been outstanding again today, and I thank every single one of you for sharing your hearts. When I read this paragraph, the first thing that I thought of was the diets that had worked. Um, on page 31, it says, here are some of the methods we've tried. I tried a whole bunch of them, and a whole bunch of them seemed to work. And um, when they seemed to work, boy, I was the salesperson for that diet. I was the one that was going to convince the rest of the world, this is the answer, this is what you need to do, sign up for the program I'm on. I finally figured it out. What I hear in this paragraph is I hear a lot of what others have said, um, my judgment, my ideas. Um, I had arrived um, basically a roller coaster, up and down, up and down, up and down, trying to fill, constantly trying to fill an empty thing on the inside. That can't be filled by anything. I thought if I got to a certain body size, 
that everything would be great. And this is the weirdness of it all. Um, it sort of felt great for a little bit until I knew I was losing control again. And then it was all over again. And I made a host of fair weather friends. And, um, and why were they fair weather friends? Because I was never honest with anyone. This is what this program has given to me is the gift of honesty. I can be honest with people for the first time. And that pride that was so evident and continues to be so evident, it's based in fear. All of it's based in fear. And I've come to understand that it's okay to be frightened of things as long as I have a God to take them back to. And so I love this paragraph because it, it describes for me um, the role that everything else played that God can only play right now. And I have a group of people that I can be honest with as I give away my 10 steps and, um, and live, as someone said, for today in the middle of this program. I have been at what I would consider to be my healthy body weight for well past three years. And, and like was just stated, that's not the end goal. The end goal for me has been and will continue to be emotional sobriety today. Because as my brain goes, so goes my body and the rest of my life. So thanks so much for your shares, everyone, and I'll pass. Blessings. Thank you so much, Bonnie B. from Florida. All right, well, here we are. Um, today we're studying the chapter Bill's story. We're in the big book on page three. We're reading the first paragraph for the next few years. Through one paragraph ending with, I made a host of Fairweather friends. We do value everyone's experience, so we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. I'll go ahead and take another lineup to share on the paragraph. If you give me your first name, the first initial of your last name, and your... Cheryl G. from North Carolina. Kathy J. Illinois. And you get Rivka R. Elena C. Reggie O. Okay, let me tell you who I heard. I don't know who the first person was. It was somebody G, perhaps. Could you say your name again? Cheryl G from North Carolina. Thank you, Cheryl. Cheryl G from North Carolina. Then I have Rifka R. Then I have Elena C and Reggie O. Anyone else? Kathy J, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And spell it for me, your first name. Vanita L, Georgia. Whoever it was with a J, if you could re if you could spell your first name with me for me. Kathy J, Illinois. And is it Jeffy? I'm sorry, I can't understand. I'm just asking for clarification on the spelling of your first name. Kathy okay, J. let me tell you. Kathy, thank you, Kathy. Appreciate it. Hey, Jen, her name is Kathy. I got it. Thank you so much. It was just coming in foggy for me. I have Cheryl G, Rifka R, Elena C, Reggie O, Kathy J, and Vanita L. Anyone else that I missed? Susan G in Tennessee. Susan Thanks, everybody, for your patience. All right, here we go. Uh, Cheryl G, you're up, followed by Rifka R. Go right ahead.
Gerald G, press star one to unmute your phone. Hi, this is Cheryl G from North Carolina. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. Go right ahead. Okay. I can really relate to all the shares as well as the reading. Um, I did start out early on in my life with a great career in banking, um, upper in management. I was told the sky was the limit. Um, I was recruited out of 200 people. There were 10 of us who were the finalists. It was just a great opportunity. I was given the opportunity for a mortgage and a car loan and all of the credit cards I wanted. Um, but I wasn't ready. I mean, my mind was just, I was still full of fear and anxiety, but on the outside, you would never know it. Um, down the road, I got married. Um, I, I lost that job. I just couldn't perform because of the fear. Down the road, I got married, wonderful uh, situation financially, beautiful home in the suburbs. I had been raised in the inner city, beautiful home in the suburbs, made great money. My husband made great money. That marriage didn't work out because I married for all the wrong reasons. Then I moved down south again, got a good job, bought a house, and finally the food caught up with me. And at that point, there were things that I wanted to do, and I just could no longer. I had no energy. I had run out of steam. I just couldn't do it anymore. And that's what brought me to OA. And I'm so grateful to be here. I'm working with a sponsor now, going through the steps, really connecting to my higher power. And that lack of power, that was my problem. And now I'm not trying to do it on my own steam. I'm really looking to my higher power to help me um, to make decisions in life that are wise based on um, the right things and not the wrong motives. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, Cheryl G. from North Carolina. Up next is Rifka R. followed by Elena C. Good morning, Rifka. Hi, good morning. Um, thank you so much for your service, Jen, and for everybody's shares. It's just so fabulous. Um, so I had a little different experience because I don't think I ever arrived. Um, you know, fame and fortune and all that and applause weren't weren't thrown my way. But the the only moment that I that I felt that I had really arrived was when I was 20 and I had gone on this crazy weight loss. Uh, scheme for like, um, you know, one month I got these shots of HCG, this hormone from the um, urine of pregnant horses, <laughs> and a 500-calorie diet, and I was going to do this thing, and I actually lost 20 pounds that month. Now, nobody told me I was fine. I mean, I, I'm, I was at a weight that I'm lower than actually now, but I'm at a perfectly healthy weight now. But nobody told me that at this place. I guess they wanted their money. That was why they were there. So I, I did this crazy scheme. And, and the moment that I felt that I had arrived was when I was standing in the ice cream store. And I was now, you know, 103 pounds. And I felt like I had arrived, that I could buy this ice cream and no one was going to look at me and say, well, why is that fat girl buying an ice cream? And that was the moment that I felt that I had arrived. And it makes me so sad when I think of that because, I mean, you know, I'm at a healthy weight now, and it's like, you know, a little more than when I started thinking that I you know, needed that to, to live. Um, but I... I of course, the next month I gained 24 pounds, and that was the end of that. Okay, um, but 
I think of what does it mean for me to, to arrive today, and it's so different than what it, than what it was for so many years of my life. Like to arrive today is to be able to live in victim um, in gratitude today and not in victimhood. To be abstinent and to have neutrality around food and not to have food obsession. To be in connection with you know my Creator. To be able to choose to to love and. And to be aligned with his will instead of living this, you know, in so, you know, feeling so bad and horrible about myself. I mean, that's what it means to me to rise today. Like, it's how glorious is that? That's, I'm so thankful that, that that's what I can do today. Thank, thank you, God, to this program and, and you know, the 12 steps and the and a, a relationship with my creator that I I never had before, so just thank, thank you, and thank everybody uh, for being there, and um, that I can live with that choice today, and live having arrived in a connection with truth and reality. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Rivka R. Where are you calling from today? Oh, sorry, so people can find you. <laughs> I forgot to and say, Rivka R. Uh, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Baltimore. Thanks. Baltimore. All right. Awesome. I can remember that. Okay. Well, great. Here we go. Elena C. followed by Reggio. Good morning, Elena. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Is it Alana or Elena? Elena. E-L-E-N-A. So my name is Elena She's from South Carolina. Gratefully recovered for today. I still appreciate all the shares. And I mean, this... um, sentence I had arrived is so profound and I looked in the dictionary and I um they say that to arrive meaning to reach the end of a journey to reach the end of a journey and why did I want to reach an end of a journey an end of a journey that I thought might um might be good for me you know and that looked like um maybe I can marry the man of my dreams you know, I can get A's, I could get a great job, I could, like, have a good house, you know, and more so that I could have somebody, you know, um, relationships in my life the way I wanted to, and that meant, like, you've got to look at me, and you've got to, uh, you know, see what a wonderful human being I am. That was a rival. That was the end of the journey for me. And I did all of that. I wanted all of that because truly what I wanted was to not feel pain. I really thought that, you know, if I were to get there, that my pain would be forever gone. And, you know, the thing is, the more I arrived, actually my pain intensified because it was never the end of the journey. I can't reach an end of the journey. And so I am so grateful for this 12-step program because it reminds me every day that I don't have to arrive. Actually, 12 steps teach me to not arrive, that I don't have to arrive. All I need to do is to grow, so to grow, to grow, to, to just you know, do the best I can every single day, stay close to God, you know, to, to be with the spell because in, 
before I was so alone. I arrived by myself in a place that, you know, I had an idea that I could be happy, but I never was. And, you know, I am, will be forever grateful that this 12 steps of recovery and you all have kind of helped me to rearrange my thought pattern to my perspective, my role in the universe, you know, the way I engage in relationships. And um, I will be forever grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Elena C. from South Carolina. Up next, we have Reggie O. followed by Kathy J. Good morning, Reggie. Hey, good morning, Jen, and good morning, everybody. My name is Reggie O. Gratefully recovered today in Texas. And I'll tell you, either Bill's story has changed since the last time I read it and have read it for many times, or something's happened inside me because I I never could relate to a whole lot of Bill's story, and now I'm relating to all of it. Thanks to all of the shares and, uh, yeah, and I guess thanks to where I am today. So I, I don't know about this arrived piece. I, I was always seeking seeking to arrive. And, you know, in, in many instances, some people would think that I had arrived, you know, and it started in my family and, a, you know, a tragedy in my family. And when I was 12 and uh, uh, my father disappeared, was declared drowned, but a body was never found. And... Um, and I thought that uh, I, it was my fault because I had loved my dad more than I loved God. So I did away with God when I was 12 years old and went through the rest of my many, many years without a God. And But uh, mom married re- very quickly. Uh, she became alcoholic, having not done, she married an alcoholic man, had two kids. It was dangerous. There were guns. And I was the, there was something about me. I just stood there. I took over. I took up for people. I stood, you know, in front of the guns and people were safe and they wondered what I had on my stepfather, but I just knew that was my job. I I went to college and I decided to go to a college about 25 miles from where I lived so I could come home and take care of my family and make sure they were okay. And again, and I will say that even in high school, when I went to high school, I was, I had so much on my shoulders that I thought, I just don't want to stand out. I'm, and so I didn't study for anything. I didn't take a book home the entire time I was in high school. And yet I ended up in a lot of leadership positions and various other things. When I went to college, uh, also, you know, I was, it was a great experience, and I could be there for my family as well. And I was in who's who and never had thought about going to uh, college. Um, I mean, never had thought about going to graduate school until – one of my professors, I was just so, uh, she was someone that I idealized. And I, anyway, I found out where she went to college or grad school and I applied. I didn't know it was one of the best grad schools in the country, but it was, and I was uh, accepted. And I went there the following year and I, but I didn't complete my thesis, but, and then I ended up sort of grabbing, getting in a car with my new girlfriend, and we drove north to Boston. I was living in California. And things just, you know, things just really opened up for me. I, I never finished the, the master's degree, but uh, I, it just kind of happened that I got a job as the athletic director in a, a college up there, women's college up there. And I was 23. I didn't know what it meant. And I walked into a group of athletes who used to, a basketball, basketball uh, team that, 
drank that they they played to drink on the way home from games, and I was determined they were going to be winners. And three years later, uh, we we were um, the runners up in the championship. You know the state championships and uh but i wasn't you know it wasn't arrived for me uh because we didn't we didn't win it wasn't the winning game anyway that i could go on and on and on about all the various factors in my life but it also showed up for me when i came into vision and uh and i will just say that i had to say that i was recovered because to me that was first string and and i missed a lot by that and uh, today i can gratefully say i'm recovered and know what that means Thanks so That's much, it. Reggie O. Thanks, Reggie O. from Texas. Up next, we have Kathy J. followed by Vanita L. Go ahead, Kathy. Hi, everybody. Kathy J. Recovered out, uh, Overeater in Illinois, Chicagoland. Um, the first thing I think about is the word ambition in the fourth step. Um, I didn't know what ambition was, but this is an example. And when I was um, arriving, um, I was way underweight. And then I obviously gained, you know, triple that. But at that moment, I felt that the food had an effect on me. And it gave me the illusion that I had arrived. I don't know if Lois would have agreed that he'd arrived or anyone else around him. Um, But the ego, um, the pride when I did reach successes was mine. And so in... In OA, uh, you know, I've had more success in abstinence by far than I did. But um, I share that. That I share it with, um, you know, the credit. I I could not do have the success I have without a power greater and believing because I was afraid more of success than failure. I think the responsibility or something, but. Um, Food aside, uh, you know, um, that ego can creep back up and things can get more important. And, um, you know, I knew even then at the, you know, when I was in, you know, college and all this great stuff going on, that something was missing. I knew. And I think I've been called, as many of us have, um, to do something more with our lives. And, um, you know, as the food progressed, it got harder and harder to reach that high and, um, you know, until it stopped working. And that's when everything came to a crash. You know, maybe I'm not at the pinnacle, but, um, yeah, connection. um, God has been enabled me to get past my insecurities and fear to do things um, that are giving me benefits I never could have had with um, with uh, with the food, you know, with it out of the way. Um, I really feel like, uh, you know, I, I can be okay with my, you know, we didn't know. He didn't know. He didn't know any better at that point. And so now I understand what the big book means when they call it ambition. Everything else is aside to push to feel like I'm all it. And um and that's what gets, you know, gets lights of fire under my food if I if I'm not watchful, not fearful, but cautious, you know, sharp. I gotta keep sharp. 
because uh, it could happen in a minute. It could happen in a day where I'm start either get afraid I'm going to lose something, you know, or I'm threatened. And threatening is a bigger word for me than fear because, you know, when I feel threatened, man, I'm going to grow big. And I'm really not. I'm just whistling in the dark. Um, but I have a higher power in you guys. And when I am successful, I share that and I give God the credit. And that's the biggest difference in I don't have to, um, you know, be brought down because people are going to want to bring you down. <laughs> if you're all haughty and everything, you know, people are going to be like, oh, yeah. So I'm so grateful for this program and for this meeting. Thanks, guys. That'll pass. Thanks so much, Kathy Day. Up next, we'll have Vanita L, followed by Susan G. Yep, Vanita L from Georgia, a recovered compulsive overeater who is super grateful. Um, yeah, you know, I'm looking back on my life and gone. Did I ever? There were things that happened where I thought, oh, I was always striving to arrive, right, for the ship to come in, for external things to happen that would somehow make me feel like I was good enough and to prove myself to the world. And, you know, I've learned, even though I had, I was kind of born pretty spiritually oriented, I didn't. Well, I must have forgotten who I was as I went through life and the crazy childhood and the abuse and the neglect and living in kind of a lunatic asylum in a way. And, you know, it it wasn't until, I don't know when it happened, but when I realized, like, who I was, when I remembered who I was and remembered who everybody else is, too, you know, these... um, incredible creatures of, in my mind, light and love and radiance and, you know, the qualities of God and stop trying to save myself by achieving what I thought was the perfect body, which is obviously a totally losing game, especially as um, we get older. But um, yeah, anyway, so I'm super grateful to the 12 steps and to the battles I've had with food through a lot of my life that um, taught me that I'm not a body and that I'm this eternal, beautiful being and so is everybody else. And that all I needed to do is arrive at who I really am and um, my connection with everything else. Thanks. Thank you so much, Vanita L. from Georgia. Up next, we have Susan G. from Tennessee. Good morning. It's Susan G. in Tennessee. Grateful for your service today. Um, I'm recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, <clears throat> I'm really um, not the center of the universe. <laughs> um, and it it took this program, and it's taken years in this program to to get to that concept that it's not. It's not me, and it's not about arriving. Um, Any arriving I uh, had was always brief because I couldn't sustain it because I was compulsively overeating and um, using control as that mechanism to stay in a state of arrival. But 
today after working the steps, um, out of ideas, working the steps, surrendered. I'm confident in my growth, not arriving. I'm confident in this work, doing this work, not talking about the work. Uh, it's not arrival anymore for me. It just doesn't matter how things turn out either. I'm not in control of those results. Uh, I'm focused on staying awake. Uh, the spiritual miracle when I had a breath in my body this morning. And now to be awake so I can be helpful, to walk in peace with power greater, to walk with all of you. I was really concerned about uh, loud talk, being a loud talker in the jazz clubs, not really jazz clubs, but just in those clubs that I associated with. And, um, you know, today it's about listening. And I have to shut up to listen. Um, I'm grateful for the steps. I'm grateful for sponsoring uh, to keep me moving forward. And it's the transformation continuing to occur, this from me to we, from me to we, so that now I, I live constructively instead of destructively. Thank God for step 11. Um, my ide- My ideals now, the motto, I guess, of my ideals now is fair weather no more. Susan is consistent. She's reliable. And it's it's other-centered, my life. You know, it's spiritual. And, you know, it really is you, my friends. It, it's you. And it's, you know, I love and care about you today. Uh, Susan's being taken care of today so I can focus on you. Thanks. I so appreciate everybody. The shares have been absolutely out of the park today. Thanks. I'll pass. Thanks, Susan G. from Tennessee. Wow, what an awesome meeting. We do have time for one more share, one and a half minutes. Anybody out there want to unmute? Erin K. Go ahead, Erin. Mary Lou. Hey, everybody. Erin K. recovered in Michigan. Um, This paragraph reminds me of um, I was sitting in an in-person meeting very early on in the program um, about four years ago, and I, it was the morning after a binge, and because I had still been trying to control and manage certain foods that I just can't, um, and I realized I was going to have to put some things down, and I was so angry, and I unleashed on this poor, unsuspecting group of compulsive overeaters about basically, like, you guys are weird, and I just moved here and I don't want to be one of you. And I have no idea, you know, how, how am I going to live life and make friends, you know, and, and do all the things that I do if I am this, you know, compulsive overeater thing. And I stormed out and like locked myself and me and my self-pity cried in the bathroom for a while. And um, I was so embarrassed after that. But I, I still, I tell the story to, to say that, um, I have incredible true friends in this program. Um, it was true that the way that, you know, that this new this new way of eating and then of being did not fit into the life I was leading at that time. But it, you know, life became way bigger and more beautiful than I could imagine with the pair of glasses I was wearing and the perspective that I had four years ago. Um, 
you know, true friends, you know, they love you, but they don't need you. They love you enough to tell you the truth. They love you more than they need your friendship. Um, and I have found that type of friend over and over again in this program. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful. So I'll leave it at that. Thanks, Jen. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Erin Kay from Michigan. Thanks for taking us out and what an amazing meeting. Thank you for everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. So if you want to hear this over again or share it with a friend, get your pen and paper. The share ID for today, Tuesday, February 13, 2024, 7 a.m. is 21,127. That's 21127. We will now close the reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Rena L. please read a vision for you? Sure. Hi, this is Rena L., recovered compulsive overeater from Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you can't transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. Thanks so much, Rena. All right. Well, I'm now going to ask everyone to press uh, star one to unmute as soon as we stop the recording.